VA's round-the-clock hotline can put veterans who are homeless in touch with the resources and support they earned through their military service. Call 877-424-3838. and your host for this week at VA. I hope all of you have gotten a chance to see our coverage of the 75th commemoration of the attacks on Pearl Harbor. We have photos from the commemoration and video interviews with Pearl Harbor survivors featured on our Facebook, Twitter, Flickr, and Instagram. You can also go to blogs.va.gov for more content there. We spoke with so many amazing veterans last week that I want to share some more stories told by these amazing survivors. Sterling Kale is a Navy veteran that has a unique experience from Pearl Harbor. From breaking into an armory during the attacks to helping recovering bodies, his perspective is definitely unique. On night duty before December 7th on the 6th, I was on night duty at the shipyard dispensary taking care of the civilians that worked in the Navy Yard and also taking care of any military that got sick or hurt. And on the morning of December the 7th, I got up early had to walk about three-quarters of a mile down to the main gate. And I went in, jumped down with the master's arm, said, I'm going home. He said, okay. So I went outside the 1010 dock. But as I looked over toward Battleship Row, the planes were already diving on the battle. What that? We don't train on Sunday. Ah, oh, probably Probably a reservist or a national guard or something, doing something. They did it every once in a while. Okay, I just watched them prevent. I was going to go home then. Then I saw one of the planes turn off to the right in the rising sun on the fuselage and went, my God, those are Japanese planes. Ran over to the receiving station took the fire axe, broke down the door of the army to hand out the O3 Springfield rifle, single shot weapon, and bandoliers and ammunition where you load, lock, fire, and eject in the second round, the war's over. Well, we gave one to anybody that wanted one, and they were firing all the way from the main gate, clear out to where the Arizona and Missouri are tied up. But suddenly, as I was watching the activity, the aerial torpedo bombers, the Kate, started coming in from this direction. The sun was right in our eyes. We couldn't even see them coming. And they started dropping off aerial torpedoes that the Japanese made to go in shallow water. So none of them hit the West Virginia, but they used its watertight integrity system they shifted the oil on the ship and the water on the ship, made everything level, and it just sank down into the water. The Arizona also took nine aerial torpedoes, but it didn't have time to do anything. It turned over and sank 12 minutes, 429 men aboard. Well, I'd been training to be a frogman, so I spent a lot of time swimming in the water out there. The frogmen today are called seals. <laughs> Boy, I don't know what I'm gonna do. 
The doggone diesel had leaked out of the ship and caught in fire, so we hammered to swim way down under instead of on top where you normally swim. So I swim around to find somebody, pick them up, take them over to the, to the ship that I had working with me, and then go back down and look for another one. So in four hours, I only picked up 46 people. Some of them were dead already. Some were badly wounded. Some badly burned. Trying to pick them up, the skin had come off of my hands. And some of them were just tired because they got blown off the ship or jumped off and had to get ashore. Well, after four hours, I went back through the main gate, told the master, I'm kind of tired, can I go home? Say, you can't go home. You're a petty officer, and I need you on the front door of the receiving station. So that's where I, you found me, and I talked about it. He said, Caleb, don't go anywhere. You're going to be court martial for breaking into the army. I said, what do you mean? He said, in peacetime, you can't just take a weapon, give it to somebody. You have to sign out your weapon, sign out your ammunition, and when you get through firing, you sign them back in. <laughs> so I got a deck court for that. But fortunately, the next day, President Roosevelt said, declare war on the Japanese. So they called me back in and gave me an award for breaking into the army and a carton of cigarettes. I guess at 19, we were supposed to learn to smoke. <laughs> but anyway, all these things that I've told you just about concludes my story of December the 7th. When you get a chance to visit the USS Arizona Memorial at Pearl Harbor, you may be able to find Sterling at the Visitor Center as he volunteers much of his time to sharing his story with the visitors. The feature interview on today's show is Justin Blajewski. Justin served in the Marine Corps and went on to work as a contractor after he got out. After many trips overseas, he experienced back pain and was introduced to yoga. Justin fell in love with the practice and now he teaches other veterans the benefits. Justin is going to talk with us about discovering yoga, how it helps, and how to stay committed. Enjoy. Marine Corps veteran Justin Blajewski, one of my favorite names ever <laughs> to say. I'm always, I always have to pause too and then make, say it in my head before I say it out loud to make sure that I get it right. But sir, this is the, what, second or third time we've talked in this sort of... Uh, probably about the third time, I think. But. Yeah, we've, um, we connected originally do, doing some work for SVA, mm -hmm. um, and then I did a school project on, uh, on Vetoga, which yep. you started, um, and since then we've been sort of helping each other out here and there where we can. When I came to VA and started making content, I knew that Vetoga was something that I wanted to cover because I think it's, it's really important. I think a lot of veterans are interested in this sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Before we get into the yoga, the healing arts, stuff like that, though, let's learn about you as a veteran. Let's go back to that day that you decided to join <laughs> the United States Marine Corps. Happy belated birthday, by the way. Thank you. Tell me about that decision. Uh, well, I was, you know, I spent 18 years of my life in a small town in upstate New York and uh, came from a big family, five sisters and a brother, and didn't really have money for college at the time. And I had some partial scholarship for school, but they weren't working out. And there was something inside of me that was pushing me towards the military. And of course, uh, I wanted to do the hardest one. And, and uh, I went to all the recruiters and there was no choice. Like I was going to the Marine Corps. I enlisted when I was 17, halfway through my junior year. And 
Uh, I went to boot camp the following year, and I spent five years in the Marine Corps. So I was an East Coast Marine, Paris Island. And then I was stationed at HMX, the Presidential Helicopter Squadron here in Quantico, Virginia, Washington, outside of Washington, D.C. And I spent five years here as a Marine. And once I got out, I wanted to do something else, so I became a contractor in the same capacity. So I did similar work in the IT field, communications field, but when I was in the Marine Corps, uh, I was working in the helicopters doing the avionics and the communications, and then the job as a contractor was uh, mostly computers and radios and all the IT infrastructure background. So I uh, started working for government agencies around here in Washington, D.C., started traveling a lot at the time, and at that time, it was around 2005, I believe, and I was going to Iraq, Afghanistan, back and forth from anywhere from three weeks to three months at a time as a contractor. And I just went full force, and here we are later. Until 2005 to 2014, I was going back and forth about 50 to 60% of the year as an IT contractor in war zones. So uh, I did 42 TDYs in 10 years. Holy and, smokes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, so you got in around 2000? Is that right? I went in the Marine Corps in 1998. 98. Okay. And then got out in 2003. So you were here during the 2001 attacks. I was. So um, tell me, we've heard it from a couple people already about this, but I think this is an interesting perspective to get from anybody. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the difference you saw in the climate of the Marine Corps from September, between September 10 and September 12th of That's that year? That's a great question, because it definitely changed me and my outlook on why I was a Marine and what I was doing. And, you know, pre-9-11 Marine Corps, it was pretty pretty relaxed. Like, I worked on the President's Helicopters, which is like a glamorous job for a Marine. Uh, you're not out with the grunts, you're not out doing stuff that's applicable to what you think a Marine typically does. And I felt that, I was like, I'm doing a cush job in the Marine Corps, but I was traveling the world with the President, so it was pretty honorable. And I liked it, but 9-11 hit, and I was actually here in D.C., and um, we were on the helicopter and picked up Cheney and brought him to Camp David. So while I was on the helicopter, I was listening to the president's, all of his conversations on the radio and what was going on and what they were doing as far as telling the military secretary of defense what the orders were, and it was complete chaos, but I heard every conversation because I was a communications guy. Uh, we landed at Camp David. I immediately got off the helicopter. We set up a ground comms, and we had a little communications command and control center for uh, President's comms there. And we had the vice president there at Camp David. They put him in the bunker. Uh, Bush was down in Florida at the time, so he was airborne in Air Force One. And it was, it was pretty crazy. And I remember that day, and as a Marine, you know, getting angry and, you know, fired up about what just happened. And after that all dissipated, you know, it was my time from the Marine Corps was getting limited. And I was like, do I reenlist? And I had that motivation, so I put in my reenlistment package. I did my warrant officer package just in case I reenlisted. And then I planned to go to school, which was my original goal, going in the Marine Corps. So I opted to get out, start school, which I did. And then I went to work, work full-time as a contractor while going to school part-time. And the reason I chose the job I did was because... Uh, when I was sitting at school my first semester, I was a civilian out of the Marine Corps and I didn't feel like I did what Marines were supposed to do. And I was getting a little depressed about that and I'm like, how can I serve my country in a, a capacity? Do I re-enlist? Do I go back in? Or do I become this contractor? So I chose a contractor route and I had a direct role in the middle of the war zone as a contractor, IT infrastructure and what I did with comms. and. Uh, immediately, day one, on the ground in Afghanistan, my first trip, and you know, I saw the results of what I was supposed to be doing in this lifetime, and the Marine Corps prepped me for that, but as a contractor, I had a little more flexibility, so. Were you using your GI Bill? 
to go to school at the time? I was. So my GI Bill covered, you know, and I didn't get my bachelor's finished until 2012. So I went to school part-time while I was traveling, yeah. you know, 60, 70% of the year sometimes, uh, going to school part-time, and I used the GI Bill for the entire uh, bachelor's degree, so, okay. which was awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Let's talk about the more interesting part. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> So one of the things that, that makes you different from a lot of the, the veterans that I speak to is you are into healing arts, yoga, mm -hmm. meditation, et cetera. And this is becoming a very, I say that you're different because you're active in it, as in like you're a leader in the space, but you're not different in a sense that in the past three to four or five years, I've met the most stereotypical veterans say like, oh, yoga, I love yoga. You know, like, oh, meditation every morning. Like, I have a mantra. And it's interesting how it's, it's really fascinating how it's spreading into the space mm -hmm. without really having a lot of, not, not too many people know that. You mm -hmm. know, it's something that I think we're still unwilling as veterans to admit that we're into. Yep. Um, but you're a leader in the space, especially here in the D.C. area. Tell us about how you discovered yoga and how you then decided to become a leader in the, in the space. Uh, back to 2004, 2005, you know, I started traveling and that was all war zone. And I was a young man at the time. I was like 24, 25 and I was going back and forth. And about four years in, so around 2008, in the beginning of the year, it was really taking its toll on me. So for four years, like a blink of an eye, all I was doing was going back and forth to war zones. Like I had no time to decompress. I had nothing. And all that stress was building and building and all the stress of war, you know, was building. And my only coping mechanisms were um, running, you know, sociable drinking and hanging out with my family and friends. Like uh, other than that, I really didn't, I didn't have any like healthy, other healthy coping mechanisms to deal with stress. So it builds up and it, it built up to a point where it was putting me in a deep depression. It was putting me in a potential suicidal state because I was questioning what I was doing over there. I was watching people die. Uh, especially the locals that were dying in the process and people just like us, young men that were just there trying to live their life and were killing them and just because they got in the way and you know I had a lot of questions and it was really weighing on me and it was a pretty dark place in my life and then I had a few injuries while I was over there so one of them you know I had a, an ankle surgery to follow up an injury and it it took me down so it took me down physically for a couple months where I was put up at work had my ankle up and taking some pain meds and I was having a moment of clarity. I'm like, I can't run right now and I'm stressed. Like, what am I gonna do? And my roommate at the time's like, well, you know, you can walk now, so let's just go to yoga and see what happens. And the physical therapist was telling me to do yoga anyway. And I'm like, all right, let me try this yoga stuff. And I went to the yoga class and I, it, physically, it was very hard for me, but when I got done, the mobility, mobility of my ankle felt great. Like the inflammation actually went down after class. And then laying in corpse pose, that deep relaxation is what really hooked me. Like for the first time in like four years, I felt my parasympathetic nervous system actually turn on. So I was stuck in fight or flight from the day I went in the Marine Corps to that point in my life because I was going nonstop. Like I didn't turn off, and let alone turn on my rest and relax part of my body. So I got a taste of that and I was like, I need more of this. Whatever it is, it's starting to work. So. Uh, I got a 30-day pass. I went every day for 30 days to Flow Yoga Center in D.C. I've met a new community at this point. So after we get out of the Marine Corps and the military, and that's one thing we miss is that camaraderie, that, that community. And I found this new community. I was telling my uh, teacher trainees today, we were lecturing on community, and it's like for the first time after I got out of the Marine Corps, I felt alone. And, you know, as a contractor, you're kind of on your own. You're isolated. You're going out in and out. 
um, but that camaraderie is gone, and I felt it in a yoga community. So not only did I get my own healing benefits physically, mentally, emotionally, but I was also getting that community. And um, I dove into that personal practice for me, and that's why I dove into it. And I became a yoga teacher that year because I wanted to share the teachings And when I traveled overseas, which I did, and I was teaching regular yoga classes here for a couple years. I continued on continue education, did a 500-hour, an 800-hour training. I did yoga nidra teacher trainings, acro yoga, yoga for PTSD, yoga for traumatic brain injury. So I started building all these tools in my toolbox. And uh, fast forward to 2014, my last time going to a war zone, and I already set an intention that year on my vision board, like I need to create something to give back with all this, these gifts that I've been given in my life. Like how can I put something together to give back to those who are looking and need it? And uh, that was where the birth of Vetoga came from, was that, that intention and those ideas and my background, so. Vetoga, when I, when I originally told my fiance the name, she thought it was a toga party for, for veterans. <laughs> I remember and, we talked about that. Yeah. We're still gonna do a fundraiser for a toga party. There's, we gotta do it. <laughs> yeah, right? It's, it's so party. fitting. It does. Um, <laughs> so you and I currently are sitting in American Legion Post 24 in Old Town Alexandria, mm -hmm. a historic building here where you are doing a teacher training. It's the last day of the teacher training where you have, it looked like at least 20 people down there um, learning to be yoga teachers. Tell me about the development of this training mm -hmm. and the, uh, the demographic of students that you have down there. Cool. So, of course, I had the intention. I created the nonprofit, the 501c3, uh, in May of 2015. So it wasn't that long ago. And I started doing free monthly classes for military veterans, their families, law enforcement, emergency responders. And then those classes were donation-based for civilians in the community that wanted to come show support. So what I was seeing was a mix of people that were coming once a month. So we had a lot of civilian yogis that were coming in and showing they wanted to help and support veterans. So they were coming and, and practicing yoga with them, but also donating the money towards Vitoga. And the veterans and military were now starting to get a little more sense of community and show, see how that yoga community actually wants to support them. So. Uh, the second phase, that was phase one of Vetoga with my mission statement. Phase two was, and it went faster than I expected, was I had everything I needed to create my own yoga school and to create a 200-hour teacher training program, which would turn veterans, military, into uh, yoga instructors. And then they could go back to their communities and actually do what I was doing, teaching free monthly classes or weekly classes and start to build community and start to find students that want to become yoga instructors. And the funds that they make in their community are raised to sponsor local veterans or military to come take the training. So where we are today is the first 200-hour teacher training program. Um, I was here at a think tank at, called the Capitol Post, uh, where veterans meet once a, once a month here down in Alexandria, Virginia, which is great. Local businesses, veteran-owned, how we can help each other. And one of the, the American Legion representatives was there, and he's like, you know, I told him we needed a space for our teacher training because the yoga studio was too small at the time. So he's like, why don't you come take a look at this ballroom we have at Post 24? I think it's a perfect space. So we, we came over here. Uh, we had a beer downstairs. We talked, and we came up, and it couldn't be more perfect. This beautiful ballroom that George Washington used back in the day. Uh, it has a kitchen. It has the bathrooms, and it's just and it's a veteran organization, and what better place to host this training, right? Yeah. So amazing. This place is, is beautiful. Uh, the demographic we're working with now, so we have, we have 18 people that made it through the, the 10 days. So we have active duty military, we have veterans, we have military spouses, and we also have psychologists and VA representatives that also are working with their civilians but working with these demographics. So the teacher training, I have about a 90% to 10% ratio. So I want to keep 90% for 
reserved for military veterans and their family members, and then the 10% for, for caregivers and people that are working in demographics that want to help veterans. So that's the demographic we have down there. We have uh, almost an even ratio of guys to girls. Uh, we have a couple of female active duty uh, Apache pilots. We have active duty lieutenant colonel down there, Marine Corps, right? And yeah. we have a couple of military spouses. Uh, one was an active duty Army spouse, and her husband's active duty. And other one's just a military spouse. And um, we got a mix of other veterans in there, Marine Corps, Air Force, Army, you name it. And it's, it's a beautiful group, and they're so receptive to the training and this is, here we are, day 10, and they've, over the last two days, they did their practice teachings to make sure we tested them to make sure they were ready to go out the door as yoga teachers. And the transformation from day one to day 10 is, is amazing and beyond my expectations. And we're sending them out into the world, and they're going to be teaching right away, and they're going to be doing what we, what we are helping them do, and sure. that's teach. So other than how, you know, learning how to navigate really difficult poses, what are they what are they learning what what are you instilling in them that they can take back to their communities so me what i looked at what did what helped me with what i was dealing with why did i get attracted to yoga so there's a lot of programs out there that teach yoga teachers how to work with veterans of ptsd traumatic brain injury those are mostly 10-hour programs that are like a three-day program you go in as a yoga teacher you're already certified yoga teacher not necessarily a veteran and you go in and it's, it teaches you how to, to work with veterans and and what that might look like right so we're already military veterans. We already know the verbiage. We're already one of them. So that takes away that stigma that we have to speak a certain way or talk a certain way. So this training is a proper 200-hour training. They're getting the physical yoga. They're getting the meditation. They're getting the yoga nidra, which is the deep relaxation. They're also getting the spirituality. They're finding out who they are, what their soul is saying to them. What is their mission in life? Like after the military, it's, we're like, why are we here? Like, while we're in the military, we know we go in there and we're told what to do the entire time. When we get out, we're lost, right? We lose that community, we lose a sense of purpose. We're giving them community, we're giving them a sense of purpose. They're going to be yoga teachers, and they're taking the flame with it. And beyond my expectations, they wanted more of the spirituality, they wanted more of the chanting, they wanted more of the yoga history. They wanted to be proper yogis. They just didn't want to teach the physical stuff and the breathing stuff. They're like, we want to, we want to dive full on, and it doesn't surprise me because of who we are and what we do. Like, we do things full on. And they were so receptive to the trainings, we've been able to go very deep with them in a short amount of time. And they are proper yogis in a 10-day period, which the transformation is unbelievable. That's really cool. Yeah. So one thing, that I, that one thing that I think we've all noticed with people that go into longer trainings and retreats like, these, like this that, you know, that focuses on healing and relaxation, meditation, stuff like that, is sometimes it's really difficult to then leave and, can, and, um, and really keep hold mm -hmm. of what you've learned and that mindset that you've been into. What are you teaching them that's going to allow them to continue to live these 10 days back when, where they're going to be teaching? It's a great question. So the, the biggest criticism I have for a lot of uh, people that work with veterans is, yeah, they come in, they do all this stuff for free, they offer programs, but when they leave, there's no follow-up, right? As this program, so we have five senior level teachers that are EYRT 500 hour teachers, which are senior level yoga teachers in this teacher training program. So they are each assigned a mentor after the program. They have a 30 day uh, probationary period after the training where they're doing daily physical yoga, they're breathing techniques, they're doing journaling, they're doing homework. Uh, and they're also, they have to teach a minimum of 10 yoga classes and 10 guided relaxation classes to get their EYRT um, Yoga Alliance certification to be a certified teacher. So for the next 30 days, they're in this interim period where it's kind of like an internship phase. 
they all have their mentor. That mentor will be checking in with them weekly. They'll have Skype sessions with them. Uh, they'll be grading their homework. They'll be checking in their progress. They're going to be keeping hold of them. Uh, this morning I taught a community building class and as we are up here speaking right now, Brittany's teaching them the business of yoga and we teach them the ethics of being a yoga teacher. So they're getting these modules on the last day for a reason because uh, for one, they've had a lot going on for nine days and today's like the decompression and culmination of everything. So when you go out the door, we're telling them these are the, the number one things that we're, we saw that we didn't have support when we left yoga training as a civilian, let alone being a veteran. So we want to set you up for success. This is how you build community in the veterans community and the yoga community. This is how you be a professional teacher logistically, and this is how you do the business of yoga. This is how you get your insurance. This is how you connect yoga studios. This is how you write contracts. So they're getting all that mentorship right now as we speak this day, and then the follow-up with their mentors for the next year. So, and myself, I'll be personally traveling to the different cities where we're building the new Vatoga communities this year, and uh, we'll be going there and connecting with local veterans organizations, um, military organizations and Student Veterans of America and Lululemon and yoga studios and teaching them how to build those different facets of community. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. To anybody who's listening that, uh, that's considered yoga or hasn't considered yoga, I know for most of us, the biggest step is giving it that first shot. Mm -hmm. um, but it needs to be the right first shot, right? To yep. be able to really, really understand it. Um, whether or not someone's in, like comfortable with going into a class, or maybe they just want to like watch a YouTube video at home, what's what's the right first step into really trying yoga and understanding it? You know, listen to your gut. Like, look, do some research in your local community. Like, look at the different teachers. Look at their faces and their profiles. Read their bios. Uh, if you know the yoga studios, go and check it out. You know, ask for a flyer and just kind of feel the energy out and research the different types of yoga. If, you do, if you're totally ignorant to yoga, you've never done it before, you know, do your research. The one thing with yoga studios, they either, all of them have like a month introductory rate. So it's like $30 unlimited for a month. And I and tell people, go into a yoga studio and buy that 30 day pass and try every flavor of yoga. Try it at least once. You might hate the first one, you might hate the second one, but the third one you might love. And I tell them, go to the different yoga studios, try all their different teachers, and you know, just suck it up and, and do it until you find the right teacher. Because there's no question that the benefits of yoga are huge, and, but the hardest part is finding what yoga speaks to you. And the only way you can do that is trial and error. Like, and that's just how it is. It's, uh, I, I, a couple of the first teachers I went to, you know, the, the first class I went to was great, but I wasn't vibing with the teacher. And I went to a different teacher the next day, and then I went to a different teacher the next day, and then I found a couple that I really liked and were really fitting to my physical needs and my emotional needs, and uh, I just contoured from there. But uh, I think if you just give it a try and, and get past all the perceptions and uh, see what happens, like you're, you're, there's no question that it works. Like Everybody's doing it nowadays. Like I yeah. always say it, but when a veteran sees another veteran doing something that works, that's when we do it. you know. And in this day and age where we are right now, the ball's rolling. Uh, military and veterans, we're, we're all using yoga as a coping mechanism, meditation, and all these other healing arts. Uh, there's no question they work. It's documented. And just find like-minded community and, and get a buddy, battle buddy if you need to and go to class or go with your girlfriend or boyfriend and uh, just make it happen and you, um, you won't be let down. What do you think from your, what skill set, discipline, talent, whatever you want to call it, that you get in the military that you think is contributing to your success today with yoga, with Vetoga, with the community? It's mm -hmm. another good question. So the, the leadership ethics that I got in the Marine Corps were unlike any other, right? Like Corporal's course and uh, Sergeant's course, like those things, uh, period of instructions, how to teach, how to communicate with people, how to use your voice. 
Um, these are things that, as a yoga teacher, that most civilians don't have. Like, you can go do a teacher training, but the number one thing I see when they come out of a normal 200-hour program is they don't have their voice, they don't feel comfortable teaching, they don't feel comfortable in who they are, and they're not authentic. They're just, you know, they're teaching me because they're nervous. Us, we come in, this group of people downstairs, it's so easy to teach them yoga because they already have all that discipline and structure, so now I just get to layer deeper and deeper with them. So there's no question, like, finding my voice as a teacher was easy. You know, commanding presence as a teacher, easy. Uh, and then I found something I love, so I was living what I love. I already had the backbone of what I needed, so it was kind of effortless at that point. And, but I look at civilian teachers when they, they don't get what we get in the military. So that's a gift that we have that is so applicable to the yoga as a teacher, but also the business of yoga, like starting a nonprofit, you know, the discipline, the naysayers tell me I can't do it, and here we are, I make it happen, and that's the Marine Corps attitude, like we, we make it happen, there's no question. And, and, uh, if anybody looked at my messed up business plan and my lack of knowledge of nonprofits and what I was trying to do a year ago, they would have laughed at me. But you know what? You know, we make things happen, and here we are today, and it's happening. So I think that's how most businesses really start, right? Yeah. You throw together something that really sounds fun to you. People who people look at it like, I don't think that's quite going to work the way you think <laughs> it's going to work. And after, I mean, you know, on any business idea that I've had or tried to implement. If I look back at what I what I said it was in the first three months versus the past three months, it's way different. You know, I'm laughing at those ideas. Like I hear people like, "Oh, I want to do this." Like, yeah, so did I. Bad idea. That's not how things work. You've been doing yoga for how many years now? Started in 2008, so eight years. So eight years. Holy cow! Wow. Yeah, you're you're, you're tenured in your, uh, in the space definitely. What challenges are do you do you face challenges still with um, like put like do you still push yourself in some ways do you mm -hmm. make up your own challenges because I imagine especially as a veteran you still need that sense of challenge within your own practice how do you do that for yourself another great question um, you know we're what is it no, end of November right the first week in January I do a goals and vision setting board for my, I do a party at my house I invite all my friends family veterans military. Um, and make it in a Vetoga fundraising event. We come in and I just have a pizza party and have beer and we do goals and visions for the year and I lay out my plan because I have to. I, my, my mind's a little broken from you know some of the TBIs and some of the other things I have going on so I had, I had to learn how to train my mind and um, setting those goals and visions at the beginning of the year and intentions is huge for me. And my successes that I've seen is sticking with it you know things fall away like you say I put a three-month plan or one-year place and three months down the road you know it's not where we're at so we reassess every couple months and we adapt we overcome and that Marine Corps attitude is what I've used in every aspect of my life including my yoga teacher business like um, but it goes back to also my personal practice I practice yoga every day whether it's physical yoga or it's meditation or it's chanting or some of the other aspects of yoga I do something every day and I stay connected to who I am so I'm genuine when I'm teaching. You know, and that's a huge part about being a teacher. You know, there's a lot of teachers out there that don't live the life that they're they're preaching. And, you know, being the head of a, a organization like this, like it holds me accountable because I know my fellow military and veterans are depending on me. So that disciplines me to be true to my authentic self and to keep disciplined and to serve them. And that brings us back to why we're here for them. I ask them, what's your sense of purpose? You know, why are you here? Why are you in this teacher training? You know, and how can you take these tools we're giving you in this training and serving our population and the civilian population with as a yoga teacher? So. Yeah.
people from my audience are veterans, veterans' families, and also employees and staff of VA. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that you're, in 2017 you're going to do some, some traveling, going to different communities and trying to, if anybody out there in the VA community, because um, I know some facilities have started implementing yoga and healing arts at, yep. uh, like I think Boston has had one, I think somewhere on the yeah, West Boston Coast. Boston has a huge community up there. Yeah. Um, so if anybody here is just like, and they want to connect with you, how do they do that? So, vettoga.org is the website, and my personal address email is justin at vettoga.org. Um, there's also an, in, an in-doc form in there, so you can go to the page, the teacher training page. Um, there's a couple of places where you can put in a question, and, and it goes directly to me. So, if you have questions about the training, uh, if you want to host a space, if you want to see where there's a teacher in your area, uh, you can email me and ask me those things. And as we expand, we're going to have more and more teachers from around the United States. So, in this training in particular, we have a lot from Virginia, D.C., and Maryland. We have some from Louisville, Kentucky, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Seattle, Washington, uh, a few from uh, San Antonio, Texas. So we have a, a huge demographic, uh, and every training we do is going to spread more. So we're going to look at these local veteran organizations and the VAs and, the, and to help plug in these teachers and how can we serve those local communities. So we ask everybody to please reach out to us, uh, ask us any questions, please offer up anything you can do to help us, whether it's a space to offer a yoga studio or if you want us to come to you and help a demographic that, that you feel would be a benefit from yoga. So, so the, the, la the um, where I want to wrap up on this is going to where I think so many people may be today as they're listening to this, tomorrow morning as they're thinking about it. One thing that I know a lot of people struggle with, and we sort of touched on this before, um, but with yoga, with especially meditation, with any sort of deep relaxation, I think p there's trying too hard mm -hmm. and there's not sure what they're supposed to be getting out of it. And meditation is definitely something that people have that huge yep. block is, I don't know what I'm supposed to be experiencing right now. So let's wrap this up with just sort of your thoughts on each of those concepts and how people should approach the, the reward, the experience in that first time. Yeah, first of all, don't enter expectations. Like, meditation is hard. And it, it even says you have to concentrate on an object and concentrate, keep concentrating. That takes years. And then eventually you become the object you're concentrating on. You, you know, yoga is union with the source. So uh, that's hard. So the tool that I found that works the best is this yoga nidra. Nidra means sleep, but a psychic sleep. It's you're not unconscious, you're not conscious. You're in a theta brainwave. So what you do for yoga nidra, and you Google the, the the name Yoga Nidra, N-I-D-R-A. Uh, you can put my name in there. I have a bunch of free podcasts out there for Yoga Nidra, and they're in from 30 to 45 minutes. So you put this on, you lay down in the comfort of your own home, and you listen. You don't do anything, and it's a guided relaxation. So it's a meditation, but you don't do anything. You don't have to think. You don't have to focus. You don't have to concentrate. It's easy, and that is where you start, if you ask me. That's where I tell beginners to start. Listen to Yoga Nidra. Find a voice that works for you, whether it's male or female, or a deep voice, a higher voice. There's lots of yoga nidra artists out there. And then once you start to connect to that space, you're, you're going to get a little taste of medicine, right, in the yoga nidra. And you're going to naturally start to feel the benefits of the meditation. And once you feel it, you can't unfeel it. It's like once you see the truth and feel the truth, you can't unsee it. Once you have that, then you start going to a meditation for beginner workshop, or then you start to look for a meditation podcast where there's different types of meditation out there. Uh, like I said, meditation is very very hard in the beginning and you know it's a little intimidating so start with the yoga nidra start with the guided relaxation and I and I promise you you'll you'll see the benefits right away I've tried um, 
yoga is something I find that I just sporadically do. Like, um, we walk around my apartment, realize I'm tight or I don't feel I feel <laughs> uncomfortable, and I'll just stop what I'm doing and just start doing random yoga poses in in some um, arbitrary <laughs> order. Um, meditation is something that I haven't been able to really get in true routine with, but I have noticed that meditation in the morning is far easier to follow through with because it, like the morning's still my time, no mm -hmm. one's calling for my. It's that afternoon where. The meditation in the afternoon almost is, it's more rewarding just knowing that I got myself to do it than the experience itself and what I feel coming out of it. Uh, there's a reason for that. So in, uh, in yoga, there's, it's called Ayurveda. So the Vedas are some ancient scriptures where yoga comes from. And it says that we as human beings have a natural constitution, like a vibration. And a pitta, kapha, or vata, right? There's these three types of personalities. And we're a combination. We have a primary and a secondary. So we're, I'm a pitta, kapha, for example. So if you read the scriptures, yoga is a science, and it says if you're a pitta kapha, the best time for you to meditate is between 2 a.m. and 5 a.m. So you know, if I were to prescribe to somebody, I would get their constitution, you know, and I would find out what that is, and there's lots of tests out there. If you Google Ayurvedic dosha or constitution test, you can take one online and it tells you what you are. And according to that, it tells you when the best time of the day to meditate is. Interesting. So, so yoga is a science, and it, it has a prescription, and that's from scriptures, these Vedas are thousands of years old. Yeah. So, you know, it's, we're not recreating the wheel here. It's, it's, it's already been <laughs> tried and true for thousands of years, so keep it simple. When I get home today, I'm gonna look that up and see, uh, see what Please I get. Please do. Justin, fun. it's always a pleasure talking to you, my friend. And uh, thanks for taking the time and your busy week to, to talk with me. And most of all, thank you for your service to our country as a Marine and also continuing your service with veterans through yoga and healing arts. Thank you so much, Tim. Very, uh, very grateful to be here today. We served our country like those before us. You know, it was a dangerous era. All of Vietnam was dangerous. The carnage of war left an indelible mark on me. We came back and built lives. As time went on, we faced new challenges and found support to handle them. I went to the VA, talked to my doctor. I started doing groups. I started doing one-on-one -on -one counseling. At maketheconnection.net, you can hear our stories and find tools and services available to you. If you're interested in trying out yoga, meditation, or other healing arts and want to see if it's offered at your VA facility, talk with your primary care physician, patient advocate, or counselor to see what is available. Today's Veteran of the Day is Marine Corps veteran Sean Tucky. Sean served from 2000 to 2008 as a field radio operator and also served in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom. We thank Sean for his service. To read the full write-up and other Veteran of the Day posts, visit blogs.va.gov. That wraps up episode 10. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. If you haven't already, please subscribe in iTunes and leave us a rating and review. If you have a question you'd like to have answered here on the podcast, tweet at us using hashtag VA podcast or email us newmedia at va.gov. I'm Timothy Lawson, signing off.